Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now. Here is Noah. Good evening. My name is Noah, and I'm, I'm going to be your alcoholic comedian tonight. Hello. A drunk was picked up and landed in jail. The next morning, she woke up and asked for the policeman on duty. What am I here for? The policeman said, for drinking. That's great, the gal exclaimed. When do we start? Thank you, Noah. Uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Dana. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get yourself situated. Please turn off all devices that will make noise or possibly distract others, and please take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study this evening. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. Thank you. 
Would you all join me in the fog light prayer? And if you don't know it, it's right here on the screen. God, love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked John to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. Here's John. I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, Uh, Such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls of the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. 
What often takes place in a few months could seldom have, have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of, an honest, of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, John. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode, or just turn them off. So I'm delighted to be back this week. I know we missed last week because we had a little bit of rain. Um, I hope everybody was able to stay safe, and if there was any damage, minimize the damage to their properties. Um, I'm very glad you're all here. I know we're looking forward to hearing Bobby again, so with that, I give you... Bobby. Hi, everybody. I'm an alcoholic, and my name is Bobby. Um, Low-key, I'm kind of happy you guys canceled last week because I was super sick, and I was canceling anyways. <laughs> so when I messaged Mike, he's like, uh, hold. I think we're canceling it anyways. Anyways, I'm back and better than ever. So, <laughs> and I'm not going to be here next week because I'm camping in Naples, FYI. Uh, they're going to have a wonderful fill-in speaker, and I won't be here on the last Thursday of May because I'll be camping in Sanibel Island. Uh, camping is life, so you got to do that, okay? Um, anyways, just to get that out of the way because I'm going to forget to tell you. I brought, my, I brought this thing here as a good resource. I don't know if you guys have ever seen one of these before. This is called the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's our program, like literally, like this is it. The people who came before us left us a document that is like a textbook where as you go through it, you learn more and more and more. And during the process of this learning experience, you're going to develop a lot of repetition by reading the same thing over and over and over again. And the way that it was written was very strategic and getting your brain to change the way that you see things. The book was written and designed to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which we talked about last week. That's exactly what the book was designed for. Crazy, right? Like you're like, well, it's just another book. It's a self-help. I don't know. 
if we could even call that this, because you're going to learn today that this whole program is not about self-centeredness. It's not about yee hey hoo ha self-achievements. It's not about self-help. It's about learning to turn your will and life over to the care of God as you now understand him. Like, that's what this whole book is about. So I'm, I brought it today because I was like, what a good resource to utilize during the talk on step three, not to mention they asked if I could stay a couple weeks longer. So (laughs) we're going to just wing it and make sure this baby stretches as far as I could possibly stretch it. But anyways, I am super excited about this step. The, the, the actual literature that you would read in here is called how it works. It's the first several pages. We hear how it works at every single meeting. Yeah. Did we read it here? No, we don't read, not at every meeting, okay? (laughs) Almost every single meeting where they say, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed this path, and, and they read all the 12 steps. It's critical after that, too. Like, critical. And the reason why it's critical is because they're going to literally describe you. You. In one way, shape, or form, you're going to identify with the pages that lead after the the 12 steps in the book. But I want to kind of recap where we left off because some people are just getting here today for the first time. Some people have been here, but we need to hear it again. That's why repetition is so important. But it's also critical because the first three steps are your foundation for everything else. You can't go any further without your foundation. A foundation is something that plants you in the position that you need to stay in for a period of time. So we want to get your, your feet grounded in something that is solid. So I'm going to recap what, what happened for the first two weeks. The first week, we strictly talked about alcoholism. And in talking about alcoholism, I described my life and my story and how I personally related to alcoholism. Why do we do that? It's called giving your testimony. And the reason why is so that you can put yourself in my shoes or identify with certain things that I have experienced so that you no longer feel alone. And in some cases, when people are hearing my story, they feel a little bit a breath of fresh air, like, oh, thank God I wasn't as bad as she is. But I always want you to keep in mind, if you feel that way during a speaker, always say to yourself, thank God I didn't have to experience that, but it is always a yet. And what does a yet mean? A yet just means that alcoholism is progressive and fatal. It wants you dead to see six feet under the ground. So it's going to bring your bottoms deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. They don't, they don't stop until physical death. I had, a girl, I had two girls, actually, in the last five years come up to me and say, Hey, I, you know, my name's so-and-so, and I have one in mind specifically. I, I heard you talking in the jail often, and every time you would come in there, I would hear how bad your story was, and I couldn't relate. But there was something about you I always wished I could have you as my sponsor, but I thought I needed to experience everything you'd been through. She's like, but um, my life got the same, just as bad. All these things happened that you said happened to you. So now I could totally relate. Will you be my sponsor? Which is super awesome. She's celebrating five years in September and I still sponsor her. And it's, it's a really great story. And the same, another girl that I'm sponsoring too, it's coming up on five years. She said the same thing. I heard you speak at the one-on-one club. And I thought when you spoke, I'm like, I would never be that bad. 
I would never be that bad. And her life got just as bad. And that brought her to a place where she asked me to sponsor her. So our testimonies are important because we need to hear what it looks like in other people's life. So we could identify. And if you feel like there's no identification there in the, in the actual physical experiences, you know, identify with what the people go through. Because we go through it emotionally very much the same. Whether you got sober, what do they say, on Park Avenue, or if you got sober on the park bench. You know, our emotions and our feelings and the things that we go through that way are very similar. Alcoholism is cunning and baffling. And like I said, once you dead, whether you're drinking or not. But it was important to take a look at the physical component of alcoholism. What separates us from normal people, non-alcoholic people? And what separates us the absolute uttermost is the fact that we do not process chemicals the same way that normal people do. And what do I mean by that? We put it into our body. We develop a craving for more. Either we're going to drink or drug ourselves into a big issue tonight, or we're going to keep restarting despite the consequences over and over and over again. Because once we put it into our body, we have lost control whether or not we're going to continue. And that's literally the facts that means that I can no longer safely drink or do drugs. But the other component to alcoholism, which is the crux of the problem, which is the center of this, is that even after a period of time, whether it's one month, one year, 10 years, we can return back to it as though we never had a problem with it to begin with. <coughs> which is just plain insanity. How do I continue to go back to dot, 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 knowing what it has done in my life in the past? How could we even? That's the, that's the crux of the problem. Because if the problem was the physical component, the solution is simple. We just don't eat it, drink it, or smoke it, or shoot it. Plain and simple. Problem be solved. We wouldn't have to ever worry about it again. Hence, I'm allergic to penicillin. Doctor said you're allergic. Don't ever take it again. Never taking it again. I have yet to fight the thought of needing to take or wanting to take penicillin in any form on any day of the week. Isn't that weird? <coughs> Sorry, I'm still coughing, but I'm not contagious, okay? And I do not have COVID. All right, so... Now we know what the, the, the main crux of the problem is. There's a third component. Painful. This is the spiritual part of the program. The book talks about straightening out spiritually before we can ever actually overcome the physical component. Wrap your mind around that. How am I supposed to get spiritual if I can't get down the, the physical component of this illness, right? Well... Like I said before, and I'm going to say it again and again, I believe God gives us all a grace period. He's like, I'm going to remove the drink and the drug for you. I'm going to put it over here. But there's going to be work for you to get done. And that work is AKA, build a relationship with me. I will solve all your problems. I'm going to put people and situations and experiences, crisis in your life, you're either going to join me on this walk or you're going to resist and defy me on this walk. 
What is it to be? So we're going to straighten out that way. And if we don't, guess what? This comes back. Irritability, restlessness, and discontentment returns again. We eventually become uncomfortable, so we reach out to seek a comfort and ease that we know a pill, a drink, a smoke, a drug is going to bring us. So we take it feeling relief temporarily, very quickly with guilt and remorse and shame, or maybe not any one of those three, but a physical tolerance to it rather quickly. And now as a result of that, now I'm working harder to achieve what I really wanted the first time, but I'm never going to be able to get there. So the consequences pile up on me. They become astonishingly impossible to solve. And it's like quicksand around me. And in the meantime, the longer I stay in it, my denial grows bigger. And as my denial grows bigger, the people around me suffer. It's a poison that kills anyone and everyone who loves the alcoholic. That is the clearest description of alcoholism that I can give you. I ended that night off, or maybe it was last week, I don't remember, that I wouldn't give my life up for the first drink. But I would literally hand deliver it to you with the bow on it for the second one. Because all bets are off once I start putting it into my body. No matter how hard I want this, no matter how how hard I try to white-knuckle this, I cannot get it together. And the longer I try to control it, the harder it becomes. There has to be an internal surrender. It starts with something verbal, but there has to be an internal surrender. And that's where we came to find a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity. Because in our book and in my own personal experience, I have learned in every avenue of my life that I lack power. You want to know the true definition of willpower is trusting that God's almighty power is going to be the only thing that's going to get me set free from the bondage of myself. And that's a hard pill to swallow especially if we're very little-minded people, which most of us are. We just think that whatever's right in front of us in our own belief systems is what exists. Our book in the very back under spiritual experience, they read it at this meeting every week, is that contempt prior to investigation will keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And what that means is that you cannot put judgment on something until you fully give it your best. Not this surface stuff. Don't show up with a mask. Don't show up for other people. Give this your all. And what's so awesome about God is that all he wants is a tiny piece of your heart. He will do the rest. Our book says that if we want him, he will reveal himself to us. If we ask, he will show himself in your life. And it says in the book, too, that that means we are going to be talking about God. Not God of, your, of, of a doorknob or of a tree or any of those things. Yes, it's a God of your understanding, but let me try and help you narrow down what that means. What that means is that your relationship with God is your own. It is an individual walk that you and him are going to have together. 
It's going to look differently than what it looks like in my walk with God. But at the end of the day, there is one. Almighty, heavenly Father, spirit of the universe, creator of all. He is either everything or he is nothing. Where did I get every single word I just shared with you? Shocking. Out of the resource of Alcoholics Anonymous. Isn't that nuts? Now that I know the problem, now that I've got a glimmer, a sneak peek at the solution, it is up to me. They give us an alternative in our book. It says something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, of we're either going to go to the bitter end, suffering, or we're going to accept spiritual guidance. What is your choice to be? Only members of Alcoholics Anonymous need to have a thought process on making that type of a decision. <laughs> uh, spirituality kind of bugs me out. People mix up spirituality with religion. Is religion favored? It says so in our book. Find out what religious people have to offer doesn't mean you're going religious, but I hate to tell you guys, Alcoholics Anonymous is a form of religion. We got all kinds of rules. We got all kinds of steps that you must take. If you want what we have, you will do what we do. We say these prayers, circles. We do all the things. The difference between religion and spirituality is a relationship with God. Are we trying to do good work and good deeds here on earth to make ourselves feel good, to be liked by other people? That's what separates a relationship with God and all the other stuff. Or are you trying to do these things because you know the absolute best equation for your life is to be hand in hand with your creator? When you believe that, literally nothing else matters. Your life is going to progressively get better. Step three is just a decision. I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. You might have this much of an understanding. You might have an understanding that's completely way off. Set it aside for a moment and say, I just believe that other people believe, and that literally is enough. Our will in our life, what is that? It's our decision-making. It's our choices. It's all the good things, the bad things, the easy things, and the hard things. God wants all of it. I used to think, well, I had found this relationship with God in Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't want to bother him with the things that I know he gave me a brain to use for. And somebody says, your God loves you so much that he wants to love you through the good times, the bad, the ugly and the sad, the itty bitty tiny decisions that you make throughout your day. He wants to be a part of it all. When I first had to do this step, I said to myself, 
how, I don't get it. Like how, it makes no sense. How do I live and breathe here on this earth? I'm the one who has to do all the work, but I'm supposed to rely on somebody I don't even see to give me the results of the work. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And the reason why is because I have a human tiny pea brain. It's so much bigger than me and anything I could ever wrap my mind around. You know how God has, has shown me experiences is by that internal surrender. And guys, guess what? It wasn't because I woke up one day and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm surrendering. Hallelujah. I, it's not my story. My story is, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Nope, I'm going to do that way. I'm going to do it that way. Nope, that doesn't work. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Oh, that hurt. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Oh, that was painful. And then like one day, I got sick of doing that. Not because I woke up and I was like, I'm sick of doing it my way. It was just, I got up. Put one foot in front of the other. Kind of got sick and tired of doing it my way. And I just forgot continue to do it my way. God was like, you're done. You've passed through that stage in your life. It's time for me to reveal more for you. What did I do differently? I'm going to tell you one thing. You guys are going to be shocked. Here it is. This is the main thing I know for sure has a part in this. I didn't for any reason pick up a drink or a drug over it all. Plain and simple. And as a result of that, you build, I don't know, if you want to call it a conscience. You, you develop an inner guidance. You start saying to yourself, I should probably do what that person said in the meeting the other day and read that. Maybe I should start praying more. Maybe I should journal down some things. You kind of incorporate these things as you go because now you have this conscious conscience. And as that's going, you're starting to surrender a little bit more and more and more and more and more and more. And one day you let it go. The lesson gets learned. God is so amazing on what he does when you let it go. Then it's like, whoa, oh my God. Everything I thought I wanted or needed had nothing to do with this. God just gave me something I did not know I wanted until he just now gave it to me. I would have never figured this out had I picked up a drink or a drug. I would have never solved that problem. And here what happens is, you go through life, you're feeling good, you have no more challenges, yada, 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 yada. You're feeling great. You're like, man, this must be what they were talking about. I'm on like this high, I feel so good, I'm so happy to be sober. And then, boom, crisis number two. Downfall another to number two. Okay, maybe it's external things going on in your life. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're having these crazy thoughts you never used to have. Must be something I'm doing. 
I'm not praying like I used to. I'm not going to enough meetings. I'm not journaling. I'm not working steps with other people. If those boxes are being checked, good place to start, guys. We have what's called back to the basics in Alcoholics Anonymous. So get back to them. Those things are definitely going to get your spirit in the right direction. But guess what? Even when you're doing all things, life is going to show up no matter what. But here's the really awesome thing. If you're doing the work and you're building a relationship with God, you will never, ever, ever do life alone again. And the more crisis you go through, the more good times, bad times, hard times, money times, painful times that you go through, the less worried you are when they come. In fact, you're like, bring it on. I want you to bring it on. You know why? Because I know I'm not going to pick a drink, a drug up over this. I know for sure, 100% fact that God is going to be with me. I'm not happy about this, but it's going to be okay. And sure enough, what happens? It's good. I want to talk about three areas where we take the most control over our life. These three areas that we take the most control over our life are going to cause us the most pain and suffering while you're walking this journey. And the reason why they cause us the most pain and suffering, because these three areas of our life are going to affect your relationship with God's children. And when you're not loving God's children, you are inadvertently saying you don't even love God. So what happens there? I begin to block the sunlight of the spirit, not because he's punishing me, but because I'm putting up a wall. These three areas are so important in Alcoholics Anonymous that in the fourth step, they separate them individually so that we can clear out the wreckage of our past and get what is called a new. The three areas that affect us more than anything else are our social area of life. The second thing that costs, costs us the most error is our security portion of our life. And the third one, the most favorite, and if you're getting anything like me, the least problem. And that's your sexual area of your life. It used to be the opposite. (laughs) And don't get me wrong. That one can return. You are not exempt. So where's the social area of my life? I want to be liked. Okay. So first the book talks about, (coughs) sorry. And that's why I brought this book. Was I supposed to read it, wasn't I? Let's see. It says that driven by hundreds of forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Let's talk about that for a minute. Social area. What does um, fear look like? They don't like me. They're talking about me. They shouldn't have gotten that promotion. Why are they doing that at work? I don't do that at work. He's not doing the right thing. Fear. 
in the social instincts are always going to cause a problem. Either it's real or it's fancied. I don't know if you guys have heard that before. It's in our book. Real means actually somebody did something to you to cause you harm, which, by the way, is not that common because it is not easy to actually harm somebody like me. I'm going to speak for myself. It takes a lot to harm me. Like, I don't even want to go there, what that could even look like. Most of the time, harms caused by others to me are in my head. They are in my head. In fact, I could feel paranoid and insecure to the degree that I am now seeing and hearing things that nobody else is seeing and hearing. You guys are like, okay, she needs to check out the doctor. Let me tell you what that looks like. I come into this room. I'm not doing so well. I notice the two girls in the back. This is not a real story. Don't get paranoid. (laughs) I've known them for many years. They usually come running up to me, give me a big old hug, ask me how I'm doing. But they didn't today. They're kind of clicking a little bit, like shoulder to shoulder, whisper in each other's ears. I'm thinking to myself, what's up with that? not going to pay it any mind because I'm way too cool to care. But then I see one of them pick up their phone, text message somebody clearly. I was not born yesterday. And another girl in the back picked up her phone, laughed, and even looked over at her. I know exactly what's going on in here. I haven't figured out why, but I know damn sure it's all about me. I'm going to take this crazy thought that I have, and I'm going to be sitting in that seat, not listening to anything the speaker said tonight, thinking about what could possibly have gone wrong that these girls don't like me anymore. And then I start thinking of all these random stories, of course, have nothing to do with it. Well, I saw them last week at that gathering at the 12-step house, and... I didn't invite them to sit at my table, but the table was full. It had to have been like because of that. Like, are you kidding me? Are you really having a problem because of that? Like, that's so stupid. Like, you could have just said you wanted to sit with me. And the next thing you know, they suck. They don't have any program. I know who their sponsor is. Defriend. Subliminal message on social media. Meme. If I don't nip that in the bud, I take it all the way home. I share that with my husband. He, they, he says I'm acting crazy. Problem with my husband now. <laughs> I share it with my best friend. She validates me. She starts following the haters. You're right. They are saying something. I'm just joking. She actually doesn't do that. But So, nuts. Fear in the social area is crazy. Self-delusion, I just explained that. Self-seeking. Now I'm looking for ways to justify my attitude towards them because now I'm far beyond recognition or rationalizing it anyway. And self-pity. Poor me. I mean, aren't I the best thing known to man? Like, why wouldn't they just want to be my friend? I don't even get it. 
These things can come from real life harms or fancied all up in your head. It does not matter. You want to talk about security? You think that that's the worst part about it is the social part? What about the security issue? Thinking you, you, you need to have something in life to be okay and stable, whether that's safety, whether that's money, whether that's love and attention, whether it's a very specific job title, these things can be just as poisonous as the other explanation that I have given you. We can consume our thoughts about terrible things that can happen to our loved ones. We can consume our thoughts that we're never going to be above the water when it comes to finances. We can consume our thoughts that so-and-so is going to leave me at some point, so I'm just going to sabotage every relationship that I'm in. And then sexual. Come on, guys. We've all been a hoe at least once in our life. Nobody wants that when you're a grown adult. I mean, seriously, it's not cool. It's not cute. And you certainly aren't going anywhere in life with that. And there's a whole lot of harm that comes with that type of behavior. These are the three areas in our life that we have the absolute hardest time with trusting in God. Why? Because it's so easy to try to control it. It's just like I said, how am I the one who's supposed to do all the footwork here and trust that there's a God in my life that's going to have the results for me? I'm going to tell you how you learn that. There's two things. I'll teach you this next week or the next time I'm here too. There's two ways to look at fear. Face everything and run, which is basically what I just gave you, an example of a lot of that. Or... You're going to face it and recover. Face it and recover is not just about the drink and the drug. You see something that's going on like that? Don't be the one to act like a weirdo. Get up and bring your ass over there and say hello to the girls. They were probably talking about something that happened in their halfway house. The girls that they text wasn't this girl that was in his room. It was their house mom. There's some drama you just singled yourself out to be being a weirdo. And here's another thing, too, by the way. I'm not stupid. And I know that I say this very gently and kind of humorous. But guess what? There are actually people who are not going to like you. There are going to be people who talk bad about you. They call them haters. I'm not a big fan of the, that word specifically. But it is going to happen especially if you begin to build a relationship with God. It's going to come. That's an even better reason to smile and love every single person that comes into your path because you're the only one that's going to suffer at the end of the day. Now they say fake it till you make it. That's a really great area to work this program in. So here's the really cool thing. In the third step, we have promises. We have promises all over. You only get to hear the ones that are in the ninth step right at most meetings. But actually, in the third step, on page 63, I'm going to read it out to you. We have amazing 10 promises in there. It says, 
All sorts of remarkable things followed. And they're talking about after, you know, turning your life and will over to the care of God, which is as simple as say, I don't want to rule my life anymore. I would rather you do it. I know I'm going to be far from perfect. I'm going to make mistakes every day, but I want you in and through my life as much as I could possibly allow you. It's that simple. Do not overanalyze a relationship with God. Do not. You will be your biggest enemy on this journey. So now I'm here and I'm doing this thing with God. All these remarkable things follow. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed if we stayed close to him. He, if we performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we become less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and our designs. We become less and less interested. So good. More and more we become interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, we enjoy peace of mind. We discover we can face life successfully. We become conscious of his presence. We begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We are reborn. It says it. We are reborn. You know what happens when God comes into your spirit? We talked about this last week. He actually awakens you. He comes in and he awakens you. Sometimes for some people, that is very profound experience for them. Sometimes that awakening is more like a slumber into like a slow wake. Sometimes people need lots of coffee to get there. Sometimes it's happening. They miss the mark, but it doesn't matter because God's already working. He's already there. But he comes in and he awakens. Do you want to know the absolute easiest way to do step three? I know everybody here is going to complicate it. There's going to be one of the whole room who's going to do this. I hope it's you. It's this simple. Crazy. Don't drink no matter what. That includes all forms of alcohol. For those of you who don't know what all forms of alcohol mean, that means anything that you've ever abused, drugs, alcohol, any form. Put one foot in front of the other. Like this. Do what is in front of you to do. Leave everything else up to God freaking nuts. It's crazy, right? Crazy. And no matter what, keep coming back. Why is that last part critical? Because if you keep coming back and you keep hearing the same message over and over and over and over and from different voices and different people's perspectives, you are going to naturally want to do more on your walk. It is going to happen. And for those of you who are like, yeah, I know exactly what she's talking about. I'm already there. I have a wonderful relationship with God. I want to challenge all of you listeners to the next step. I recently did a study and it talks about not wanting to know what God's will is for you. If that's what you're thinking, like, what is God's will for me? Your head's already in the wrong place. Forget about what is God's will for you. Simply, what is God's will? That's it. What is God's will? 
If you want to know the answer to that, look for God and then join him. Look for God and then join him. That doesn't mean go home and write a list of things that you're going to do for God. It doesn't mean do all the things times 10. It means look for God and when you see him, join him no matter what else you've got planned. Somebody calls you and says, hey, Bobby, I'm struggling. I've relapsed. I need to get some meetings, but I'm feeling anxious. I don't want to go alone. You're thinking, shit, but I had plans already to go to the movies or to go get coffee or go to the beach or whatever the things are. That's when you see God join him and don't let anything else get in your way. Because the second you join him, you are going to be catapulted into the known as fourth dimension of existence. God will now begin to open up doors for you that are much more powerful than a day on the beach with your girls. And I don't mean to tell you that the phone call about somebody relapsing needs to go to a meeting is going to be where you see God. It's going to show up in every area of your life. I had a recent thought, I don't know, a month ago. It was crazy thought, by the way. Something I never thought I could possibly wrap my mind around. In fact, if you did a study on everybody who knows me would say that's crazy if I heard Bobby say something like this. But I had a thought that began to grow. And I started to see God in every direction of this topic. And I was doing a study at the very same time that taught me, when you see God, join him. I joined him in this idea. And now he's paving the way. I'm scared to death. I think I'm going to fail. I'm not good enough. Am I making the wrong decision? Am I going to destroy a life? But I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm doing what is in front of me to do, and I believe I am joined my father on this path of faith. When I told you, you're either going to F everything and run or face everything and recover, what happens when you face it and recover? No, wait. Actually, let me tell you what happens when you say F it and run. If you say F it and run, and I know everybody right now needs to hear this, you are 110% going to have to deal with that in a different, different stage of your life. And it might and most likely will be worse. Okay? So you know that. But if you face everything and recover, the only thing that's going to happen is you are going to experience God that is going to enhance the quality of your faith. This whole entire step is about trust. It's saying, I trust you this much to take over my life. And after each experience you go through, this much grows, 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 
and you eventually become what is called fearless. And just in case you're confused, what is fearless? It's not walking through life unafraid. Because that's never going to go away. God gave you instincts for a reason to keep you protected and safe. A lot of us have been through so much trauma. We have the whole fight, freeze, or flee situations going on over stupid things that never hurt us. But what that means is that I'm going to put one foot in front of the other, do what's in front of me to do with the presence of fear by my side. Because I have an abundance, the power of God on my other side. So that being said, I'm going to ask you guys here today to join me on this journey of faith. And how are we going to do that? Right here in our book on page 63, you guys can go home later. If you don't know this prayer by heart, learn it, pray it, because you're going to pray it with somebody else in the very near future. But if you know the words by heart, join it. And if you don't, close your eyes and listen to the rest of us. This is my invitation to join me on this walk of faith in this program of Alcoholics Anonymous. When you say this prayer, you are opening your heart just this much to allow God to come in and expand your path in a way that you could never do yourself. So for those of you who want to join me, bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you to picture God standing there by your side, ready and willing to pave your path. And the prayer goes like this. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thy wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. So I'm going to wrap it up with this. We thought well before taking this step, sure that we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. It says that we found it desirable to take this step with an understanding person, such as your wife or your best friend or advisor, or maybe in a large group called Alcoholics and God. Doesn't really say that, but now we are going to take action to remove the stuff that is blocking us from the sunlight of the spirit so that he has plenty of room to start coming in and changing your life, which we'll talk about next time I'm here. Thank you. That was wonderful. I love your vibe up here. I love how you deliver what you, what you have to say, and, and I, I love the relatability in which you do it. So thank you. Let's give Bobby another round of applause, please. Uh, I'd like to now welcome our secretary, David, for the secretary's report. Hi. 
Hi, my name is David, and I'm your covered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around the room. Uh, we also have QR codes on the backs of some of the chairs if you'd like to contribute through Venmo. And apparently the people on Zoom can also contribute. There's a, there should be a code on your screen. Um, and I have asked Jonathan to come up and read the recovered statement. Let's hear it for Jonathan. Um, we are not cured of alcoholism recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our, our lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. We read this notice to explain why many of, this, uh, uh, of the people in this group identified as recovered rather than recovering and exactly what it means to be a recovered alcoholic. 1940s big, uh, style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Is there anyone in the room needing a sponsor? Um, okay, well, um, if you'd like, please come to the front of the room at the end, stand by the piano, and somebody will come over and speak with you, okay? Thank you. Uh, can I have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? We like to suggest in this room that uh, if your hand is not raised, you make an attempt to hang out with those whose hands are. Uh, Broward County D Intergroup is where you buy AA-related literature and medallions. Intergroup is also responsible for creating the where and when and scheduling the AA hotline. Stop by and visit them. Broward County Institutions Committee is responsible for bringing meetings into places where people like us can, uh, who can't get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, and rehabs. They meet Monday to organize the meeting schedules at the 12-step house. It is the second Saturday of every month at 10 a.m. Do we have any members of BCIC present? Okay, uh, so several people you can talk to if you're interested in that kind of service. Uh, here are some uh, upcoming service opportunities. There are flyers at the front uh, as well. Um, and of course, uh, there is our Monday night home groups. Oh wait, uh, I'm sorry, I missed something. Uh, the Paul Revere Group presents the 43rd Big Book Seminar at the Boca Raton Marriott at Boca Center. It's Mother's Day weekend. Uh, but I actually looked at this, and it's over by noon on Mother's Day. So if you're worried about it getting involved with you seeing your mom, it won't. Uh, so there it is. And, uh, of course, the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group, uh, my other home group, on Mondays at 7.15. We're still 
uh, on Bill's story, so it's still in the beginning of the book, and we would love for you to come and join us. Thanks. Tonight's session and all the previous sessions um, podcast online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Uh, I want to invite you again um, to our big book study on Monday night. Like David said, we're really early in the book, so come and hang out with us. It's a great meeting. One of my, it probably is my favorite meeting. Um, and those who would like to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle and let us close with the Lord's Prayer. Seated. Thank you. And who will bring us from shame to grace? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. See you next Monday, hopefully, and Thursday as well. Heart is heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching.
This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Now, growing vines, they 
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time Outside my door Never before I had to change everything To realize That today is the best day of my God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Yeah. 